0: Hello everyone, Uh, welcome to episode 13, I think we we, we decided that's going to be, it's not superstition whatsoever, but a landmark episode, we've gone way over our 12 months and 13 now into the next 12 months for a podcast. I think. Usual pod folk have joined me today, Uh, so David Owen and Nicola Barker, so guys how are you both doing?
1: You? Sorry I should
0: say I should say a point to one of you first there's going to be a bit of a cue really that would help wouldn't it rather you Nicola how are you today are you well?
1: <laughs> oh I'm <laughs> absolutely grand thank you for asking John.
0: Yes and, you, and, I'm and, and, and unfortunately we're all over all well I say fortunately I should say we're all jabbed and we're all but Nicola most recently so uh, sharing your experiences with us before we started the call but you're well uh, after you after initial couple of days
1: after yeah after the sort of the day after which was i was sluggish to say the least um, i'm absolutely fine now so i'm um, just glad to have had it yeah. on my first jab to be honest so yeah thank you
0: fantastic good to hear that uh, and mr owen how are you today
2: yeah very well john feeling very relaxed sort of after an end of tax year the end of tax year as we know was was particularly more crazy uh this year than any time before, I think. So yeah, so it, it's
0: good to get that over the board. It all starts again, doesn't it? But you know, yeah, tell me about it. And and as I said, interestingly, when we're shooting this on uh, Friday the sixteenth of April, um, the FTSE has climbed over seven thousand. I know that's not the you know a complete measure of our performance, but it you know it is it is it is something to to to, to mark an event really seven thousand back over that sort of territory again. Things are moving forward in the economy. Um, you know, appreciate we've got some worries ahead, and things may come on. You know, come and go. But I think that's something a landmark. And the other landmark is, you know, we've got unfortunately one of our pod folk missing today. In, uh, he's missing in action. He's got a particularly busy day, but he did inform us earlier on he's also got a bit of a headache. So I think we had a minute's silence before we started the podcast, didn't we, guys? In honor of uh, of, of the fallen and the fact that he's he's not feeling very well. Um, so, you know, I, I know that you've extended your sympathies already. Oh,
1: we're missing Martin already, love
0: him. Yes, Martin, I'm sure you'll be listening to this at some point and we do miss you terribly. And we'll see you at episode 14. Um, so anyway, great to have you guys back again. And we've got a couple of subjects we just wanted to talk about today, really. Um, first of all, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about the, uh, power planning It's become a bit of a subject recently, certainly within LIBF, um. And, and we're um, running a lot of a series of uh, articles and campaigns and bits and bobs within LIBF to really, you know, start focusing on, you know, why power planners are so important. And then a little bit later on, we're going to talk um, a bit about ESG and in, uh, sustainable finance investing green um, and then talk about that for a little while as well today. Um, so I think, you know, the first thing to do is just sort of fire away really on um power planning and i know actually both um lifetime connect and st james's place and interesting, i've been talking to st james's place recently about power planning uh, how important you guys have taken it how you feel about it um and you know why those firms that don't invest in their power planners miss out on getting the best out of the people who run their administration because i guess really in a lot of respects if they're not being supported they're kind of more administrators than they are power planners but power planning's moved on a hell of a lot in the last few years. Mm. What, you know, what does it actually mean? So um, I'll start with you, Nicola, you know, within St. James's place, something that you guys have been taking really seriously, you know, within your firms and, you know, what what is SJP uh, doing to support power planners in your business and how are you, you know, um, making sure that your your colleagues are, are looking at this seriously?
1: Mm. I mean, well, it, it, it There's two aspects to that. There is the one aspect whereby to pick up on the point you made of, um, you know, utilizing admin, but really uh, embracing the assets a practice uh, or a firm has is that we have our power planning academy, a 12 month program whereby we take them through uh, qualifications to to be a fully fledged para planner at the end of it and equipped to to take on that role. So, um, and that proves quite popular. And that is something, it's internal, but our partner practices nominate individuals who will go through that um, process over a 12 month period, and they pay for it, you know, because it's investing in their, their staff. But then we also have the other side, which uh, I suspect a lot of other firms will be in the same position whereby we have panels of accredited power planners, those that we choose to use because we know their standards are good. So outsourcing the power planning. Um, so we've got in-house and outsourcing. And, um, and it's crucial to get the right power planner in place. You know, communication is, is key to all of this, getting things right first time quality of documentation, making sure that is done right first time. So it's, it's quite a significant part of the advice process.
0: Um, okay, uh, Dave, obviously, power planning uh, in your side of the business, not just about, um, uh, you know, uh, Nicola makes some fantastic points about, you know, the, the cases they put together, making sure it's right first time. That provides an awful lot of efficiencies and also makes sure that firms stay safe. But going on to, you know, other things that um, power planners are valued for within their firms, it's not just about cases, is it really? You know, there's a huge amount of uh, expertise that they bring to firms to ensure that the actual firm itself stays successful. What's your view on that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we, we work on the basis that it takes, let's say somebody's brand new coming into financial planning. um, And with the right attributes, it probably takes them two years to properly understand the job before mm. they can even be successful at the job. So our paraplanners also work as part of the academy. So what we do is we, we um, I don't know if I the right word for it really, John, but is assign people into the academy. So, mm. um, you know, from doing things like sending off LOAs and chasing them up, you know, mm. it's as dull as dishwater, but super, super important. Mm. to learning how to write suitability reports to analyze cases to analyze advice points mm. and and quite often it it's, uh it drives a lot of learning as well and we, we i think we live in a oh no we live in an amazing time to learn stuff at the moment you know mm. just thinking about myself taking equity release and looking at pete matthew's videos on youtube last minute sitting in my car you know what who could have done that before you know when you're playing youtube on the dashboard in your car and swatting up so (laughs) you know somebody the other day wanted to know uh what what multi-asset funds were they didn't properly understand them because they hadn't got to that part of their libf learning so you know we just directed them to the appropriate videos on youtube and, and and reading materials on investopedia for example and you know, they go, they go off on little learning rabbit holes and start learning through sheer interest. So when they come to the proper reading materials, they, they've got a level of understanding that I think accelerates the pathway through. So just through people getting through there. And what we've also discovered as well is, is obviously some people aren't cut out to be financial planners. And it doesn't mean that financial planners at the apex. Uh Arguably, you could probably say that paraplanners are. But anyway, because I think where it is is they, they just don't feel comfortable being being an advisor it isn't their skill set what they love doing is the analysis mm-hmm. um and if they find that's the most comfortable place to land i think that that's great you know you, you've got a wonderful member of staff going forward so yeah mm-hmm. but, but i think power planning do so many roles you know so many and also alerting bad practice you know if you've got advisors and you you know where you know we, where i think sensible companies like sjp and ourselves do you know, more or less, hundred percent pre-approval. Yeah. So, uh, if you do get rare, where advisors are taking shortcuts, I'm not saying it happens very often; it's very rare. But if, if an advisor inadvertently starts doing that, the power planer flags it, and you can do interventions and retrain people
0: and put them on the right path. That's interesting, actually, because I, I, you know, I, funny if I put a, an article together recently for FT Advisor, focusing on you know, our firms making the most of their power plans, and and that's an interesting one where. Actually, from an LD perspective internally, from a, a, an interventions perspective, actually, you know, the power plan is not just adding value to the cases themselves, but is is actually in, invested into the TNC process within the firm as well to make sure that the advice is right at the point of of contact with the customer, as well as you know, making sure there's no shortcuts involved. Um, but something else that I, you know, I, I wanted to recognize about power planners was um, away from the day-to-day case checking side of it we're, we're discovering that more and more power planners are becoming decision makers within their businesses or to a point that
2: mm-hmm.
0: they 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 are actually um managing a business on top of actually just you know and i say just loosely because it's a big responsibility but their roles are expanding within firms and something that we've noticed quite strongly is the way that way that power planners are helping in the selection of software, as an example, or helping in the way that they they utilise, uh, you know, relationships with external companies who supply them with, um, you know, the, the the tools to do their jobs and that sort of thing. Is there something that you know you've seen within para planning um, yourselves that you know you over and above the the call of duty like sorry I'm a bit addicted to call it duty call a, uh, not call of duty, line of duty. <laughs> I, mean, I was going to come up with a Ted Hastings then. <laughs> the letter of the law Um, so (laughs) the uh, but you know over and above that they they really do add um a lot of color and uh, and um uh, advice to a firm to make it successful have any of you got examples of that you've seen in 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 your roles no
1: no no i i was just i was just thinking because you know i i see yes i have you know um i mean before my time with SJP, but even you know when I'm thinking about when I'm out and about in practices with, with SJP, the significance of it—it's almost like having a seniority in within the practice. You know, mm. it's 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 somebody where they are a safe pair of hands, where you know that you, you and I suppose it. It depends on the setup, but generally they're a safe pair of hands. So if they're not power planning cases, actually, you would trust them to actually speak to the client as well, if needs be, which is, you know, which is quite a significant thing. Um, So, so no, very much. It it depends on this. It it depends on the individual. But I see it a lot more as they are a fundamental or an integral part to how a firm works for sure
0: definitely yeah i agree with that and uh, dave anything else you want to add on para planning rather than you know the fact that they are just really the backbone of an awful lot of firms these days aren't they
2: yeah i just what, what, one thing and, and it's just broader than power planning really it's admin it's like almost like a matter arising at the moment and i think we are doing this reflection point at the moment what have we learned over the last 12 months really learned so we are trying not to and we talked this about this on the on the podcast before but trying not, not to lose the good You know, all the good things, you know, Um, and isn't it funny that all the things we're looking forward to actually are probably not the great things for business. You know, like, shall we all go down the pub, you know, but anyway, you know, I suppose it's good in another way. But anyway, it's systems. So, for example, did you know, we we discovered that some people don't know about find and replace on Word. I Just leave that out there. Find and replace on Word. So, for example, I know we're not supposed to do templates suitability letters, but let's say you're doing one for a switch and you've got one relatively the same, it's a similar situation, wherever, and you're going to personalise it. But you want to find somebody's name. People proofread Word documents to find stuff rather than using find and replace. And, and, and that's just a simple one. And then we're discovering all sorts of things like... Um, you know the age of laptops that people use in admin and the software they've gone there and how well the software works and do you really need phone systems in your organisation anymore where there's a plugin for Microsoft Office that re- removes the need for a phone system it makes phone calls as part of your office 365 people saving data you know customer data as well on the hard drive when you've got um, OneDrive and stuff like that and it's it's the engine room behind, you know for example i know what knocking on the door of our power planners of people and in power planning, independent power planning firms are you know the the software providers the crm system providers of this world but i think just the fundamentals we need to get sorted out in financial services i'm not convinced that we're as good at using their tools of the trade that lovely laptop is what we could do and i think you know we've accelerated massively over the last 12 months personally we have um, on the use of stuff. So we probably got every member of staff now is a bit of a, you know Office 365 expert, but it makes you wonder out there how many other people are struggling with systems and adapting to stuff rather than adopting a really good system that works for them. And it's probably Office 365.
0: And I think the interesting about that, of course, Dave, is that um, who makes the decision around the use of software when actually the person who uses or the people that use it the most are generally speaking the power planners. Um, mm-hmm. rather than giving the decision to, uh, in a lot of respects, you know, and all due respect to a lot of advisors out there that that, that are very keen on their technology and are very good at it. But generally speaking, a power planner knows what works in a lot of respects. And it doesn't necessarily mean to, that it needs to be the latest shiny thing, but it does need to be something that works for financial advisors and planners alike. And, and interestingly, um, you know, So I always think, um, you know, there was a a, a comment I I remember hearing long time ago now that some some advisors are a little bit like magpies. They'll collect the latest shiny thing. Doesn't necessarily mean they know specifically how to use it. But behind the scenes, the power planner really does know their stuff when it comes to using that technology and actually leave it to the power planner to come up with the recommendations for the right software and the right tools that can be used more effectively, so that the so that the advisor can do their job brilliantly, which is put a put a, a case in front of their clients and make the recommendation that they need to give on advice so much more clearly, rather than relying on um, you know trying to understand the software for themselves. But that's quite fun. I, I must admit, I wasn't on mute then. I was in mute silence. I think when you said so many people don't know how to use a Control F find that very <laughs> a bit worrying, really. So yes, it's incredible really how um, you know, how certain things get forgot in the, in the Microsoft echelons of things. So, um, so briefly to wrap that up, I mean, certainly from an LRVF perspective, we have a power planning qualification at level four, which is specifically designed for those exactly as Dave described, um, that for, for power planners who don't want to uh, be client facing are very happy in their role and and as I say say, client facing roles aren't for everybody but it doesn't stop the fact that there's an awful lot of people out there that are really interested in personal finance and how that works and the intricacies of putting that stuff together and that describes a power planner perfectly so we've got a qualification that is actually tailored to the power planner role Um, so uh, if you need any information come to our website and we'll uh, take you through it and obviously get in touch with us and what have you so that's my little uh, spiel for the day, obviously, <laughs> but it, it's important because I, I think people need to know it's there. And you know, and, and if you're an advisor and you've got a power planner in your firm, and you think actually I want to develop that person because you know longer term, by investing in your people they stay. Um, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, by not investing in your people, you do run the risk of losing them really because somebody else will invest in good people. Mm-hmm. That's the key to it, isn't it really? You know, you want to keep those good people around you. I think we've seen turnover stuff in so many firms across the UK that this is an opportunity to, yeah, actually, the reason why I want you to stay with me is not just because of the job and the salary and the benefits, but also I'm going to invest in you as a person. I think that's what qualifications mm-hmm. bring to individuals. So fantastic stuff. And the other thing we're going to talk about today, anyway, so moving swiftly on, um, sustainable finance and uh, esg specifically so um uh, basically before believe it or not um it, just for those listeners out there we um the on my fellow pod folk send a few emails to each other most of it is a bit of mickey taking really between us but actually within it somewhere there's a, a few there's a few key messages i just this week's uh, popular topic was really who's got the biggest coffee maker i think um I, <laughs> although i have to say um you know uh, mr owens probably wins out Consider it. I've never seen so many dials and, and buttons on a coffee machine in all my life, Dave. I mean, that's just quite, quite, quite impressive.
2: That involved a lot of YouTubing. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, so uh, we, we went onto YouTube, uh, learned how to use it. I think, yeah, but on, honestly, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I know Nicola uses uh, uh, another very well known brand. On sustainability, in here. I think
0: George Clooney came and delivered it. Don't you? Like, George like, 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 Clooney,
2: yeah. yeah, yeah, apparently naked. From Makes the my coffee. But I, I think, <laughs> I think if you, um, what you got to think about sustainability, obviously, is is those little plastic cup things. You know, are, yeah. are they recyclable and all that? So coffee beans yeah. you can chuck mm-hmm. in your garden, and I've also come across a brand, John, that do running and cycling wear made out of recycled coffee coffee beans.
0: Really? Yeah. Yeah. I must admit, our recycled bin, coffee beans go on the co- compost heap, that's as far as it goes. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dream of moulding it into a trainer, I'd be honest, it'd probably fall a bit. I didn't know they were doing that, no, that's interesting. Yeah. I have to look into it, you'll have to send me the details. But anyway, amongst, amongst this banter folk, um, we <laughs> talked about um, uh, serious issues, and one of those serious issues that came up, uh, primarily from Mr Owen actually, and obviously we've contributed since, is on uh, sustainable finance and and, uh, ESG. So um, Dave, you you had some specific um, thoughts. Uh, Is it now time for us to be a force for good? Um, Which was um, quite an interesting um, way of of phrasing it and putting it together. So um, what were your thoughts initially? I'm going to go.
2: Well, uh, you know, know, it's it's, it's always good to be slightly controversial. So I think, It was looking at the advisor processes that we all have, you know, and if you look about the old, the old advisor process pre ESG regs was if a client wants something that's, you know, green, you would have an ethical questionnaire and then you'd use that to inform you through your fund research to have an alternative. And then when you, when you look at the Paris accord, you know, everything that's been done, you know, Saudi Arabia, Biden, globally, you know globally now is that the you know the flow of capital is towards sustainable finance so it's no longer as we've discussed before it's no longer about do you want ethical or do you want returns it's it's what it's one of the same thing sorry we're just slightly distracted here because john's got a cat's tail poking in his ear so <laughs> so so yeah so you've got so it's more it's more about you know it's more about now being a force for good now of course we've got a huge industry out there that's of worth immense value to the nation, which is the asset management industry. And what they have been asked to do is to change what they've been doing for blinking centuries, probably. And, and, and so therefore, still it still is. Um, we have a buy list of recommended funds from due, due diligence, and there is some stuff on here which is good stuff. But also, if your client's got specific needs, there's a questionnaire. And I'm just wondering now, should should clients be directed towards sustainable funds as the default, you know, as in we we recommend by default that clients invest in sustainability because we believe that people should have, a, you know, humans should have a sustainable future on this planet. Unless you believe otherwise, then I've got a questionnaire that you can complete and we can choose something that involves the four horse people of the apocalypse, you know, and that's. I know it's controversial, but you know if we are going to be a force for, for good, I think we've got to start taking it seriously.
0: So I, I've got to say it, it is uh, very thought provoking. I've given, I, I, personally, I know Nicola has as well, given it a lot of thought this week. And when you when you raised that as, as the initial idea to talk about today, um, you know when is it that we become uh, it, the natural thing? Is that everything? The, the vast majority, the core product range that we invest from is 100% reliably, big tick, sustainable. Um, and then it's down to clients to say, well, I'm specifically saying I do not want that. And at which point then, you either say, then you're on your own or, and we're not in that position at the moment, mm-hmm. that. We're, we're far from that, but wouldn't that be a goal to say, well, actually you are effectively on your own there because actually, this is not the way we do finance these days. This is the way we do finance. And this is the way we do investments. And this is what this looks like. It, you know, I mean, we're not trying to be controversial there because, you know, we know that's way off in the future. But what's the ambition there? So, Nicola, you, you've got I know you've had some thoughts on that this week as well. Mm-hmm. What what were you, what yeah. were you considering? So,
1: you know, um, my personal view of, of all of this and, and particularly in. in in the environment we find ourselves in is that actually um you know we've moved a long way from you know if you want an ethical fund they were few and far between you know I think Mm -hmm. what we need to think about if we're thinking about um and listen you know I don't want to sort of get on my, my political high horse and all that sort of stuff but but actually I think there's two elements to this um sustainability, whether it's responsible investing um, or, or not, you know, sustainability is something that the world, that's the way we have to go in. You know, it, that's just the nature of the direction of travel, you know, for a prosperous future, we just have to do it. Now, it's how you actually communicate and how you understand what um, responsible investing is is or um so, so what i'm trying to mean by that is for example the organization that i i, I work for i mean we very much are very um pro have uh, fund managers who are addressing um, environmental and social and issues and there's, there's corporate governance and i think that's standard but it's not specific to just mm-hmm. investing it's about where you in actually invest and so you take that a step further and actually interestingly um, or not, you may not find this interesting, but, um, but um, you know, I'm, I'm doing my, my master's at the university oh, yes. of Birmingham, Shame, shameless, shameless plug, but, but one, <laughs> one of our recent topics was about business and society. And it was really, really insightful for to actually understand the movement from being sort of like not like a, a, I suppose a fashion, you know, you want ethical, and yeah, we can offer you because that there's like a demand to so actually it's there is a, a a synergy between being sustainable and profitability, so shareholder value or share it's it's actually called shared value theory, and the two go hand in hand, and the smart money or the smart investors are. Um, buy into that you know in the fact that they can see that that you know investing in your your community is uh will also create a profit for your organization and then you Mm. then translate that into other areas in which you actually invest meaning you know if you look at the un you know and their sort of aim and objectives it's it, it, it then leads on to are you then you're you're responsibly investing but then are you yourself a responsible business and what does that mean and so actually, if we put it all together, we're a lot more advanced than what we give ourselves credit for in terms of investing. We're just starting to put labels on it now. So it's mm. clear to those who who actually it matters to. Does that make sense? I know I've, I've kind it of does. no, no, I day.
0: get it. I, I totally get it. I'd tell you, you know, where where I if, if I can summarize for you, Nicola, because i obviously you know, <laughs> it's something that I've been thinking about myself again, you know, this week. Um, it's kind of like a chain of, it's, it's a complete daisy chain of things that need to happen in order for it to be a complete mm-hmm. circle, of everybody involved in, in ethical investing, if I can put it sort of very um, layman's terms from my perspective. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, so what what we're kind of looking at there is it, you've got individual investments, you've got communities, you've got businesses, you've got investment managers, you've got fund houses, you've got financial advisors, you've got this entire chain of people. And if one of them is breaking chain to say well actually i'm going to continue investing in oil and gas and i'm going to continue investing in mcdonald's and coca-cola because you know because they said in 20 years time they'll be clean even though now they don't care um you know and that's probably a bit of a sweeping statement but to be perfectly honest they still produce plastic bottles and god knows what else and packaging that ends up at the side of the road um you know for, dave will tell you this by you know when you go out for a run or a cycle day all you ever see is mcdonald's packets at the side of the road now who's responsible for that because again this is the chain the chain is responsible company responsible individuals responsible community etc etc mm-hmm. i think that does that make sense is that am i getting the essence of what you were saying there Nicola? it's sort of that that chain of, has to be complete for every mm-hmm. benefit from it being um ethically investing so i think that's probably you know hopefully that's I, uh, well if that's the case then i've learned something very good from you there today Nicola. i'd certainly <laughs> You know, grasp your concept, um, and yeah, and I, 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 I've got to say, it makes it easier. You know, when we talk about the, the the two main bodies that you know people we're talking about the the consumer and the financial advisor stroke power planner in this community of people, um, to make it more straightforward for them, that chain needs to be complete. But of course, then you've got to have a consumer that is educated enough to understand how do we, you know what's coming in my direction. I completely understand it, and I can see transparently that fund is green and fit, fulfills what I want. The, the power planner can, he or she, or you know, gender diverse, can uh, put this across to the client to say, look, that is the absolute, um, you know, the right fund for you, and this is the reason why it is, and obviously it fits in with these green credentials. And actually, then the norm is that not the um, the non carbon neutral company, which is in a bucket over there somewhere because we don't look at it. And maybe that's what um, would turn the corner. I don't know. They've, I feel like I've been on a soapbox there. Dave, you've got any comment on that. Take me off my soapbox and do, uh, bring some normality to this. I, I'll just,
2: okay. yeah, you're obviously a lot to the I'm I am. I'm, I'm, I'm busily looking on MSCI's uh, latest reports on the FTSE 100. By the way, just one thing on the FTSE 100 slight deviation. FTSE 100 broke seven thousand, but it's still worth less than Apple. Think about that. <laughs> One share is worth more than the whole FTSE 100. FTSE 100, by the way, in its top ten holdings, has got Diageo, um, British American Tobacco, Rio Tinto, you know, aluminium, <laughs> um, Royal Dutch Shell, BP. Uh, so you know, it's there's some stuff, and there. there's a lot, lot of other stuff which which is you know obviously you know, far more sort of ESGable. Well, I suppose sustainable. They do all good stuff, staff stuff and all that sort of stuff. But I was listening to something the other day on the way to the office, which is um, about the privileged polluters. And it got me thinking about financial planners. You know, when, when, when I've been to some regional other examining body um, meetings, it's like supercars of the East Midlands on the car park, you know, which is all very nice. But, you know, wouldn't it be lovely... If we, if we had sustainable, like we were having a sustainable meeting now rather than us meeting in London a year ago, John, you know, so it Absolutely. was, you know, uh, but it's this, you know, I think as a, as a financial planning community, I think we need to take this really seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see this fitting more into the examinations going forward as well. I was talking to platform yesterday and one of the platforms I was saying, and they were saying, oh, we saw your post on LinkedIn. I would say, well, yeah, that, that's all right. But, you know, that's about funds. What, what about what about you as a platform? And they said, well, funnily enough, we don't say a lot about it. We're doing loads of carbon offsetting. And you know, that's great. Tell people about it because that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I think for every every little bit, marginal gains, marginal losses, whatever you call it, each little bit we do, every little activity financial advisor firms do, I, I think it'd be great. And wouldn't it be good, I know we, do stuff like for firms in the local communities like we sponsor football teams and you know wouldn't it be good if we plant a woodland or you know Mm. something like that that's you know and and we you know we we, you can do all sorts of great things about that as well that doesn't cost that much money you know buy buy an acre of land and plant it up it doesn't cost that much no you know and do that sort of stuff um and i think that would that would be fantastic for our, our, you know, what, what we look like to, to customers, because I think it's really important.
0: I agree. I think I, I do truly believe actually, you know, our, our, our industry has, has always been very dynamic and, and has, has, has moved with the times pretty quickly. You know, this one's a tricky nut to crack. If it was that easy, then everybody would have done it by now. You know, let's be fair about it. You know, the batteries don't last as long as we want. Everybody moans about that kind of thing. You know, there's lots of things that aren't quite right that allow us to do carry out our daily lives as we do today. But there's an awful lot of things, like you say, Zoom, and all the rest of it that we're doing today, um, that are far in, far in advance of what we would have thought about five years ago. And the fact is, we don't have to travel into London to do these things, or travel anywhere, really. Um, but you know, from, from our, our perspective, I think that we are on the cusp of doing some great things. It's just slight shift in mindset now. If it had been five years ago, it would have been a massive shift in mindset. I think, you know, we are moving Mm. in that direction. Um, Nicola, I know that um, SJP uh, have been doing a huge amount in that respect as well. You know, obviously, I know they're big supporters of all this sort of stuff. And, you know, Mm. is there anything that, as Dave said, about planting woodlands and doing all that sustainable stuff? Have you seen any of that kind of thing going on in SJP? Is that uh, something that people are thinking about?
1: Oh, no, I mean, um, you know, the whole... um, responsibility is, is actually huge and community is huge um, within SJP. Wanna be, you know, mm. We, we want to be seen and we are seen uh, uh, as being a, res- uh, a responsible business. But, but actually, if you distill it, and, and, and I suppose we've talked about what constitutes potentially inv- in, you know, responsible investing. I think you know, it would be remiss of us, and this is something that we are proactively promoting within SJP, is as being a responsible business so each practice you know are you a responsible business uh, a sustainable responsible business and what does that actually look like because it can only have benefits you know from your brand your differentiation but it's almost um put your money where your mouth is you know so you are recommending and we are promoting responsible investing but are, are you as a advisory firm actually responsible yourselves and and so it's looking at the wider piece of um we are looking to do um accreditation with the good business charter but it's very much about and that just includes everything from diversity inclusion for example to employee well-being ethical sourcing commitment to our clients so it's that all-round package to say you know uh, not only do we responsibly invest us as a, as a practice we are a, you know a responsible business as well so there is there's more movement towards that for sure
0: yeah you know that's an interesting point actually you know and, and it will come to will definitely come to a head where businesses who really can't prove their green credentials Know, more and more people will not want to do business with them as opposed to at the moment um there's a kind of you know th- there's a lot more to it than just the green credentials there's the service and you know the uh, ratings online and the uh, social media and all the other stuff that goes with it you know and of course uh, certain things get overlooked i suppose you know if, if everything else is in place and returns are right um but actually in you know give it two years could you be a firm that isn't seen and pr- and transparent enough to be seen as a sustainable business you know can you imagine where that you know you would be as a firm uh, if you weren't able to prove those credentials in the future so it sounds like sjp are certainly moving in that direction david yes there is definitely some movement in quilter and lifetime you, you guys are um you know making great inroads into it as well aren't you um you know what sort of uh, initiatives are you guys taking um so we've done the obvious thing on the and then it's it's
2: too easy isn't it because of the tax situation and spare things so you know so for example i I only go into the office once we we only encourage people to travel now to the office when it's absolutely necessary so that's like a simple thing but we do do community work and all that sort of stuff but what we do is that you know so people have been swapped over to electric cars like company cars now can only be electric Mm. um which is amazing really when you get to the office and you think i'll put some charge in and you plug your car in and it costs you know now to do a journey back that used to cost you a fortune at the fuel station um you know so it's it's good from that point of view but we're very much on a journey actually john so we're working through it all at the moment but just internally ourselves and across the 22 firms we have to make it a real living thing i think nicola sjp they're well down the line i think uh, quilter as a group are massively into this you know they even branding color green you know, the, the, the message is, you know, across the company, if, you, if you're if you not sustainable, you know, that there are probably better organisations that suit your fit because we're a sustainable organisation, you know, and it's looked at everywhere. And I think that's really important. And I think it's as with, so for example, if you use things like dynamic planning and stuff like that, you can take a deep dive on fund analysis and the MSCI seem to be doing some amazing analysis now. So of course, they're not just rating funds, they're rating the, the companies that hold those funds. So a lot of the, you know, the SJPs, the quilters, the, you know, whatever out there, that are also asset houses, they're being rated themselves, which I think is terrific. And we know, um, seems to be in America, the big lenders are only lending to company that can prove their ESG credentials. When, when ESG affects your rate, that's fantastic. That would be lovely, wouldn't it, to see buildings that are built new houses that are built that have solar panels and that don't really need to pull off the grid so much and mm. you know i think that this is all coming so our whole life styles hopefully will you know lead us to net zero so mm. i think it starts starts with getting clients to invest in the right way and ends some way down the road hopefully a lot quicker than what we've been doing so far
0: i i, I truly believe actually you know as, as much as um you know we 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 it's easy to criticise those that aren't moving forward quickly. Um, you know, actually, generally speaking, we are moving exponentially quicker in this respect. I think. I mean, so I can't remember how many days it was, but we went quite a few days this year so far when the weather got a little bit warmer, uh, where there were no fossil fuels burned in the UK to, power, to generate power whatsoever, full stop. And you know, and, and I think that started a couple of years ago, didn't it? It was the first time since the Industrial Revolution that we weren't burning coal for whatever reason so you know things that, that there's definitely things to be thankful for there's an awful lot of work still to do but as you say it'd be interesting to see how that gets maintained where if you are a company that can't prove your green credentials that then effectively investment fund managers and investment managers will not invest into you as a company they'll go elsewhere because their consumers won't have that kind of stock and it was interesting when you look at the top 10 as you say you've got a mining company in there You've got an arms company in there. You've got a tobacco company in there. You've got, you know, and, and you just think, well, we still have a long way to go, really, don't we? That's the trouble. <laughs> you know, it, it's just crazy to think about, you know, those those things. And, and um, you know, people will still invest in those areas because they are profitable still, and that's the trouble, isn't it?
2: Yeah, well, one thing on that quickly as well. Is I, I was on a call with somebody earlier, and they, they'd obviously seen behind me is factfulness, the book, by with, without looking around I think it's Hans Richter it was by and I don't know if you've read it but it's it's a great it's a great way of questioning people to find out what their view of the world is mm. and it, it made me feel uh, even denser than I feel most days because you realize your view of the world your own personal view is so wrong because your internal biases and where I get really aggravated and I recommend Factfulness to everybody and it's great for running it's great for running workshops for clients, actually. But anyway, but what I would say is, is I get advisors sometimes when I'm on forums who say, none of my clients want to invest. They're interested in ESG. And that really makes me bad tempered because it's like, hold up, have you even asked them? You know, when you get things like, none of my, you know, I live in East Anglia and none of my clients in this very green county, you know, area of Britain, beautiful area, are interested in ESG. And also, it's massively threatened by climate change. So, no, they're not interested in it. You know, stuff that like aggravates me, or um, my clients aren't interested in investing in sustainability while well, the Chinese are building loads of coal fired power stations every day. So, where do you get that data from? Where's that come from? How accurate is that? You know, what was the source? You know, what is the truth behind it? It's probably likely they're far further down the, the road in sustainability than we are. But, you know, but if, if you think like that, we're not going to get anywhere. It's It's completely selfish type of thinking. So, I think. We've got to really chat. So this is, the, you know, this is the beauty of the LIBF because they can give us that education to, to get us thinking in the right way.
0: And, and the point, you know, we've got, we we have created a sustainable finance centre for education, which is, um, you know, again on the website. So little plug, got to get it in there, Nicholas. <laughs> I'll be there. It's got to, got to be put in. Um, But you know, and we're expanding that centre as we go. And obviously, this is why these issues will become probably more of a topic i mean you know, quite honestly we'll probably be talking about this um more regularly than any other subject i can think of at the moment because i don't think there's anything um you know more important but i think the what's interesting you're absolutely right about china um in that you know if you take a country you know take the uk take america the infrastructure is so based on um fossil fuels it's so based on you know Victorian engineering which you know they, they weren't thinking about environmental issues back then and of course they didn't because they, there was no awareness of it at the time and I'm certain if there was an awareness of it at that time things would have probably been built as an infrastructure differently to where they are today we what we're having to do is reverse decisions that were made in our, our history and, and you can't be criticized for not having the right level of knowledge at that time you just can't be now we are educated we can do something about it i think that's the the, the thing that people need to be aware of and, and that is definitely the same for, for various other countries It's just the willingness to change but like you say with china you know they didn't really have that much of an infrastructure to change it's mainly you know actually you know i, I i've no doubt there are reports about coal-fired power stations and and what have you but i'll bet they're cleaner burning than any of ours were uh, you know, yeah. and I, I know nothing about this, by the way, I'm only guessing. Um, but of course, the, you know, uh, wherever you are in these infrastructures, as they're growing, um, you know, they will do a, a far better job of it. You know, I, I'm sure. And, and we're, you know, in the same way that we're changing considerably. Um, and also they've managed to do a matchbox toy car of your car. I've noticed this week, Mr Throwing, Tesla, a Tesla matchbox toy car.
2: It's going to be cheaper than the key you don't need a key for a tesla but one thing you do do they will sell you a key that's about 40 quid that you don't need that looks like a matchbox toy yes
0: really yeah. Stay, <laughs> I'm i i'm nicola I, I, I car's a thing for you do you like your cars you're a bit of a
1: um, and well, because I live rurally, I need a four by four. So actually, I'm not even going to go there because I'll probably get judged by what I drive. So I'm not
0: uh, going there. I'm afraid it's I live just... rurally as well. And I'm the same as you, four by four, unfortunately, I'm completely at the wrong end of the scale when it com- comes to uh, what we've just talked about, I'm afraid. Is that what... so, the, so the only one with the green credentials in the room, unfortunately, happened to be David Owen, this is the yeah, first. I
2: don't, I don't think so. i been bearing in mind somebody's mined the lithium out to the out to the ground somewhere. I think it's funny. It, it was it was four before drivers on this new report that was on Radio Four the other day. We called the the, the privileged <laughs> polluters. But I I, I, I used to uh, be involved in a field sport from since and and uh, there was a guy once we asked him what the best four by four was, and he said it's a higher car. He says, "I took a Vauxhall Vectra all over the moorland in Scotland. It was absolutely amazing." So, <laughs> it, I think the modern car will go anywhere if it isn't yours.
0: Like they say, nothing flies like a higher car. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So, I, I, but I mean, have you? I mean, I've got to say, I have looked at electric vehicles, and I think you know, and you kind of know you should, know you want to difficult to take the plunge, I don't know about you Nicola, have you looked at it yourself, have you sort of been...?
1: Well, uh, do you know, um, I, I have, but I think, because I'm not at the phase where I, I'm, I'm consciously thinking of changing my car, I, but I will, and I suppose, in all honesty, um, my personal view is, particularly where I live, I don't feel we've got the infrastructure Right to support hmm. having an electric car, so it's not that I wouldn't want one, it, it's hmm. or or a hybrid. It's just I just don't. um I'd be frightened in case I get caught short, actually, you know, run out of juice. So I I I, I don't know enough about it, I suppose, to 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 make that judgment. So hmm. maybe I, I
0: think you're you know it's daft, isn't it? Because you know we should be, I guess, thinking about these things a little bit more. And it's interesting, you know, I, I know obviously. Um, Dave's had his company car thrust upon him, and everybody's going green. Everybody's got electric. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if you, were, you know, if you, you were in a different position, Dave, and you had to, you you were in a position to purchase rather than to, you know, receive that company car. Would you have thought about it in those terms? You know, so I suppose, you know, really, what I'm saying is, we've all got a long way to go, haven't we? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it's it,
2: it's good to know. On, on my Tesla supercharger map, I can tell you instantly. So, for example uh newcastle has a supercharger station and, and also remember from your home you, you get a government grant you get a charger pro in your home that gives you 300 and odd miles of range so how many people currently have got a fuel station on the drive you haven't you have to drive somewhere <laughs> I, I was really good at running on fumes you know yeah. as soon as i realized the lighter my car was the more miles it went so you run on fumes everywhere and you know put splash and dash at fuel stations then you pop inside and then you get attracted by all this confectionery and, and then you eat the wrong <laughs> stuff and, and see you'll never have to go into a fuel station before I, again i mean and sit behind people who seem to be you know i'm not judge people on age so I'll, I'll judge people on the clothes they wear usually form brown or beige and they they sit in the car at the fuel station for flipping ages, and I don't know why. Uh, and you, oh, I don't get me on that one. So you'd never have that again. You'd never have that again. It's brilliant, but what I would say is, I would never buy one with my own money. I would always lease a bit like your phone. Did you mm. get me? So yeah, you're part way through your lease. You can give them your keys back if you don't like it, because I think the acceleration of the technology is going to be so fast. Mm you know Mercedes have bought one out that does 600 miles or something and you know somebody else will bring something else and the Chinese will come out with their neo car that will be better than everybody else's and look like everybody else's but just work better mm-hmm. uh, and I think you know uh, I think it's a very exciting time I'm, I'm not sure it's entirely green because you know if you if you have got an old battered Land Rover and you keep it for 30 years it's probably really green mm. Mm. but you know there's that as well but I think you know it's it's just really exciting period of time in the whole disruption and changing our lifestyle and being able to live a more sustainable life because we've now realised we don't need to rush about as much as we did before.
0: No, totally, agree. and I think that's that's where we can probably leave it in the fact that we're all already on a Friday afternoon in the comfort of our own homes and <laughs> working away and getting things done, which I think is absolutely lovely. Um, we haven't got to travel home from wherever. Haven't got to catch a train. Haven't got to get in a car. Um, you know, the most we've done is used an electric light and our Wi-Fi on our laptops, and that's pretty much it, really. And I think that that in itself shows, regardless of what's sat on the drive, it's not being used. And I don't think there's anybody I've come across that really is used. I've, my car has done 4,000 miles in the last 12 months. That's it, and that, and, and that is considering I was uh, 30, 40,000 miles. Uh, mm-hmm. A user in the past um that is quite astonishing really you know for me and uh and certainly i'm sure i know dave you did an awful lot of driving and nicola you've always done a lot of mm-hmm. driving anyway yeah. it's it's a considerable change so i think just that in itself um i think we all by ourselves we've saved the planet haven't we just by doing this so i think, I, I think so. Well, well, if people listen to, to our, to our podcast, we'll yeah. save,
2: save more of the planet. Here's a thought for you: so you, you get eighty percent charger to Tesla supercharger, right? So I'll give you you know a good two hundred miles, so um, easily. So um, Gretna Green has got a Tesla supercharger, so. I'll, As long as you're allowed to go over there, you can get your car charged and get married at the same time. That is fantastic. Well, now I tell you what, you can't get more efficient than that, can you, Rick? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Come on, I
1: can well encourage people to obviously do that, or I myself get divorced and then go and get married again. Go and get married again. All
0: in a day out. You're keeping the economy going, (laughs) you're keeping the economy going because then you've got to get two separate houses. Then you've got to, you maybe rent one out and then you, oh, you know,
1: so much that- Sustainability.
0: Well, on that note, (laughs) um, a huge thank you to to David Owen from Lifetime Connect, Nicola Barker from St. James's Place. Uh, myself, John Somerville from the London Institute of Banking and Finance. I stumbled on the words there, London Institute of Banking and Finance. Um, sorry for the last 10 minutes of us rambling on about cars, but hopefully you've got the, the, the understanding of where we are and our messages when it comes to power planning and on ESG, and more to come. And hopefully our, our dearly departed friend, Martin Clark, will have got over his headache by then. What do you think? Hopefully in a month's time or so. He'll hopefully. Be- so um a a warm welcome uh well so hopefully have a fantastic weekend everybody and i hope to see you at the next podcast take care